to the Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast. You are listening to episode 88, Three Tips to Empowering Your Dyslexic Child. I am your host, Nicole Holcomb, a mom just like you, raising a bright daughter with dyslexia. I look forward to sharing what I'm learning on my dyslexia parenting journey with you. And I want you to remember, you are not alone. You got this. So today, we're talking about empowering your dyslexic child. So let me ask you a question. What if your child had confidence in schoolwork? What if your child had confidence in their homework? What would it look like if your child had confidence in themselves? Really think for a moment. Your child has confidence. What does that look like? What do you think that would feel like? Well, today, I'm going to share with you three tips you can use to empower your child at home. These aren't the only three tips, but I wanted to start with something manageable so you could start working on this a little bit at a time. I'm going to give you some resources at the end of the episode as you continue to work toward empowering your child at home and you continue to want to seek out additional support. So just hold on, we'll get to that. But let me start at the beginning. How do I define the word empower? What does that mean? Well, it means to give someone more confidence and our strength to do something. It is often done by enabling them to increase their control over their own life or situation. How does that sound to you? More confidence and strength for her to embrace the way she learns? Oh, I'm excited about this topic today. I mean, that sounds great to me. I would love for my daughter, and I'm sure you would love for your daughter or son, to have more confidence and strength to do what they need to do. That's not going to happen overnight, but I'm going to share with you three tips to help empower them starting today. The first tip is going to be focus on interests and strengths. The second tip is going to be about how to create a non-judgmental environment at home. The third tip is going to be on how to model a growth mindset. Don't worry, we're going to spend some time on each of these. Let's start with tip number one. Focus on interest and strengths. I know, you've heard me say it before, the most important thing at this point in time is remediation. And although remediation is a priority for a child with dyslexia, we can still provide opportunities for our children to build confidence and self-esteem in other areas. Just think, when our children struggle to read, it's a part of their everyday lives. Just think about all the ways you consume written word throughout the day. Can you imagine emails you know, uh, maybe documents you're writing, maybe articles you're reading, whatever it has to do with, but reading is all around us. When we can focus on what she can't do, we stay in that defeating mode. Or we can look for ways to help our children thrive, to help them feel confidence. Let's be honest, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And like I said, would you want to spend all day thinking about what you can't do well? Or have a plan to improve your weaknesses while enjoying time on the things that light you up. So you have this remediation plan, or if you don't, you will soon have a remediation plan for dyslexia for your child. 
So you've got that going, but how can you also nurture those interests and those strengths? Just think about what lights you up. What do you enjoy doing? And think about what if you were not able to do that because you were spending all your time trying to make your weakness, the thing that is the most difficult, something more manageable. It'd be pretty defeating, right? So I know that we all know the answer for that, right? I mean, if we just had to spend all day thinking about what we couldn't do, it would just be defeating, like I just said. So let's focus on interest and strengths. For each person, those are so unique. And you know what? Your child is no different. Let me share a little bit about our personal journey. We are also prioritizing our daughter's interest as a family. You may have heard me on other podcasts talk about Minecraft and, you know, in in other episodes. And, you know, Minecraft is a big part of, of kind of our season that we're in. My daughter absolutely loves creating new worlds and exploring new ways to create. So much so that not only does she watch videos to learn from people that are ahead of her how to do things, she also has a number of Minecraft resource books And I say they're resource books because one might be on, I don't know, Redstone, I think it's called. One may be on farming. They each have topics. They show pictures in them as far as what those builds look like, and they give direction. And she's constantly pulling those off the shelf and looking at those. And, you know, what's even greater is we have also put a priority on building those interests and prioritizing her interests as a family, Let me tell you, it's kind of funny sometimes because our daughter has spent so much time actually teaching us about the game and how it works. Many times my husband will even ask her, he'll say, can you explain something to me when he gets stuck? And she really loves teaching us what we don't know. And for me, that's a lot. Let's just say I spend a good bit of time trying to find my way back to where everyone else is. I tend to wander off and get lost. And there is not a game that we don't play or a night that we don't play Minecraft that I don't fall into a hole, literally. I will be walking and all of a sudden I'll be in a hole and I can't get out. And so we all laugh every time it happens. So it may seem strange to you or odd, like why are they playing video games with their kid? It is a time that we, we prioritize as a family that we come together and do something as a family. And it's something she enjoys and she can be the expert in the room. I mean, we're definitely still what they call noobs. She's definitely way ahead of us. So pretty much, you know, every time we play, she is teaching us something. So not only are we nurturing her interest, but like I said, spending time building our relationship with our daughter. Her interests are important to us, and who knows, we may also be raising a future architect. So what are some other examples? What are some other examples of interest? Well, maybe your child likes a particular sport. Our daughter also likes soccer, and she, I have to say, is multi-passionate, as am I. So she enjoys sports, but what are some other things your child may enjoy? It could be art. It could be drama. Maybe they too enjoy gaming, but it's a different type of gaming. Maybe they don't enjoy Minecraft, but they enjoy something else. Maybe they enjoy, enjoy actually coding. Uh, maybe they enjoy photography or creating their own videos. Maybe it's science. They love to do experiments at home. And it could be that 
your child loves, uh, you know, just solving puzzles or figuring out new ways to, to create bills with their Lego. I mean, the list goes on and on. So find what interests them, what lights them up, and make that a priority along with the remediation. But what about strengths? What Maybe you have this interest, but what does your child actually do well? Is there something that comes easy for him? At our house, it is definitely science and math. When we're working on homework, we often start with math homework as it gives her confidence to tackle the reading and language arts next. If there's a subject at school that your child excels at, start with that one at night. See if that makes a difference. It may be that your child is an amazing soccer player, so that may be their interest and their strength. It could be both or one or the other. But with the strengths piece, you know, it's a big takeaway of thinking about what not only do they enjoy, but what do they do well. Think about that confidence builder when throughout the day they're bombarded with written words that they can't read. How overwhelming that must feel. So the big takeaway here is not to sacrifice your child's strengths and interests in order to remediate her dyslexia. The remediation may need to be a priority for a season or, you know what, most likely a few seasons, but also find time for your child to explore what she enjoys. If you can't fit soccer practice and games in during this season of remediation, no problem. Spend Sunday afternoons at a park playing soccer as a family. There are tons of YouTube videos if you want to teach a few skills along the way too. When you nurture your child's strengths and interests, you are telling her that part of her life is important too. Tip number two, create a non-judgmental environment. When you were growing up, your parents may have been I don't know, critical of you because that was, you know, the time period we were living in, so to speak. So think about when you were doing something and it could have been a parent. I mean, it could have been a teacher, something that was said to you that was very critical uh, of, of what you were working on. It could have been academic or it could have been, you know, things of interest even. And think about how did that make you feel? Because I guarantee you, if you had critical adults in your life, and and most of us have at some point in time, you remember that, right? But for children with dyslexia, there are a few other things to keep in mind. Most of our children are very literal, and they have strong feelings of empathy. I know that's the case at our house, and many moms I've talked to and coached say the same thing. While some children, maybe even you did this as a kid, can just brush off a critical comment made by a parent, your child with dyslexia may internalize your critical comment. So what can you do? Start with being aware of your responses. Maybe have, you know, your child or your spouse or your significant other or someone that's in your life help you become more aware of those responses. Yes, you're human, so there will be times that maybe you'll say something out of frustration that later you will regret. We've all been there. But what a great teachable moment. Apologize to your child. 
This is a great way to model how your child can respond to others when he says something that he later regrets or hurts someone's feelings. Once you are aware of the comments that are critical to your child, reframe them in a more non-judgmental language. So what does that mean, Nicole? Let me tell you. Let me give you an example. When frustrated with your child for not doing his chores, you may respond, as usual, I have to just do it for you. But what if instead you said, why don't you give it another try and remember, I'm here if you need me to help. Think for a minute how it might feel to receive each response. Does one feel more supportive? Keep in mind that many children with dyslexia may also struggle with memory, verbal processing, and executive functions. We're going to talk more about that in an upcoming episode called The Dyslexic Sisters. But you know what? If you give your child a list of four things to do and she forgets them all by the time she gets to her room, we as parents can do better. So think about when we, when we react to our child, think about how we can reframe that. Ask your child to do maybe one thing and then come back when she finishes it. So now she's finished it and she's got the confidence that she got it done. This teaches her instead of pointing out her weaknesses things that she can't control, but can learn better how to thrive when you give her more of those bite-sized pieces. So one of that is the awareness of how you're responding. Another awareness is being aware of all of your child's learning profiles as it relates to her strengths and weaknesses and where you need to, you know, give her some, give her a little, you know, leeway there. And then how are you responding? How do you respond? Is it critical and judgmental? Are you taking deliberate steps to make sure it's non-judgmental and you're offering support and help? I just want to stop for a second and ask you a question. Are you enjoying the podcast? If so, there is a way that you can support our podcast. You can literally buy me a virtual cup of coffee. How cool does that sound? I've actually got in the show notes and also in the uh, description of this episode how you can buy me a cup of coffee, a virtual cup of coffee, but I would love to share one with you. And you may be wondering, I don't know how you get everything done that you get done. My husband asks me that all the time. Well, I stay organized and I get things done because I use something called the Full Focus Planner. It's by Michael Hyatt, and his whole career has been about helping us be more productive. And I love uh, his Full Focus Planners. One of the things I love about it is they come in different sizes, but they also, I get a brand new planner every quarter. So every couple of months, I get a new planner, and I just love that. Like, it gives me a fresh start. And the things he has set up in the planner are so very manageable. Like, for example, what are the three things I'm going to get done today? What are my priorities? And when I check those three things off every day, it, it, it's, it's a sense of relief and a sense of accomplishment. And they also have a, a student planner for, you know, your older children who may also want a planner, a physical planner. And if you order before December 20th and use my code, you will actually get $10 off your order. So that's pretty cool too. Something that I love that I want to share with you. So again, you can find that information in the episode's description and in the show notes. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey. All right, let's talk about tip number three. How do we model a growth mindset? 
And if you're not familiar with Carol Dweck's work in mindset, you may be asking, Nicole, I don't even know what growth mindset is. Can you take us back a minute? Absolutely. What is growth mindset? Or what is a growth mindset? Well, people with a growth mindset have this belief that abilities can be developed. They believe that they can learn to be more creative, to be smarter. And so people are really motivated by putting in more effort into learning and improving themselves. And as a result of that, they're less likely to see failure as something Uh, Well, I'm sorry, they're more likely to see failure as something they can learn from. And again, if you've been listening to the podcast, I talk a good bit about that from time to time, about failure and how failure is, you know, part of our lives, but definitely part of our children's lives who are dyslexic, and they learn success from failure. They have to fail. It's our response and how we process it that makes the difference. Well, there's a flip side of that. So you're either working on what they call a growth mindset or you're working and modeling a fixed mindset. So people with a fixed mindset believe that their, and and really others as well, abilities are fixed. So they just believe some people are smart and some people are not. And that also applies to, you know, other abilities. You're either sports, you know, inclined, you're musical, you're creative, you're artistic, or you're just not. And people with that fixed mindset, they're motivated to avoid failure. They believe that people's abilities are really just set in stone. And so they want to show the world that they possess these high levels of ability. But as a result, they often avoid taking risk. That may lead to that failure. So a growth mindset is going to start with, with you where you are. View challenges that your children are having as learning opportunities. That's how you're going to work toward a growth mindset. It's the positive viewpoint that failure is part of the process to success. All right, so let me give you a few examples to better help you understand the difference from a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So in an effort to relate to your child who may be struggling with learning multiplication facts, you may say something like, you know, I was always bad at math. So if you hear that, you know, I'm just bad at math, then, I, you know, I'll admit I, I've said that in the past myself. But now I know that that's probably not the best way to respond because that is more of a fixed mindset. That's saying I can't change, I can't get better. But now I realize that what would be better to say is, you know, math can be a challenge. Let's try a few ways to study to see what may help you learn your multiplication facts. And then you may try different things like flashcards or a specific app. I know in our household we use an app that really helped. What a great way to teach your child how to best figure out how he studies. What if your child likes science? You can tell him, you know what, let's experiment to see what works best for you. Allow your child to make mistakes. Talk through what she has learned and decide on other ways that your child can study or to solve that problem. It is going to be so tempting to swoop in and just do it or fix it for her. But work with her, not for her. We want our kiddos to one day be independent learners and be able to live independently. This is the first step. If you just settle for you're bad at math, guess what? What she will she will just be bad at math. 
But if you teach her strategies that are small wins, she'll figure it out and she'll figure how to be better at math. Maybe not a math genius, but confident enough that she can figure it out even if it's not her favorite subject. Think about how empowering that would be. So the three strategies and tips that I share today to help you, you know, teach some things at home and give your child opportunities to have that strength and that confidence to really empower your child. So those were focus on interests and strengths, create that non-judgmental environment, and model a growth mindset. So I'm going to challenge you, choose one of those for the month and work on that. And if you need to reflect more on this episode, come back and listen again or go to the show notes at dyslexiamomlife.com to find the show notes for this episode to really read through and reflect on which of the three you want to start out with. Maybe one really resonated with you. Or maybe you want to choose the one that you know you're not getting right. Maybe you want to start with what would be the most challenge for you, but you feel like can make the most difference for your child. Start there. Work on that for the month. And from there, you can then move on to another one. And if you really want to challenge yourself, you could jump over and subscribe to the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast community on Facebook. We have a private Facebook group. It's free. And you could ask for an accountability partner. Hey, is there someone that would want to do this with me and check in and see how we're doing? And really just say, hey, how are you reframing things this week? It might be a great opportunity to meet a new mom. And if you want to learn more about empowering your child, I have a great resource for you. Mary Ang Young provides some really good examples in her book, Raising Exceptional Children, a guide to understanding, learning differences, and empowering your child. I actually interviewed Mary Ann on the podcast. That would be episode 26 if you want to go back and listen to our conversation. And you can also find the links to her book and the interview in our show notes for this episode, so you can click right over to that episode and take a listen. Another book that I recommend is Carol Dweck's Mindset Book, and I'll also put a link to that book that book in the show notes. And final request, if you are enjoying the podcast, please take a few minutes to leave a review on the Apple Podcast so that other moms can find the podcast And if you would, share your favorite episode on social. Tag us at Dyslexia Mom Life. And remember, you got this.